Welcome to All Things Considered, your favorite mommy blog. <laughs> no! No, no, no. Starring Black China. Um, hi, guys. This is everything trying to kill you. I am not Black China. I'm Mary. How disappointing. I know. I know. And I am not Sophia Vergara. I'm Mary Kay. I'm Megan. I can't think of anybody cool that I'm not, but... I'm cool enough just being who I am. Everything Trying to Kill You, the podcast where we talk shit about horror movies. Is that accurate? Is that what we're doing? I mean, yeah, kind of. But also, I think before we go any further, we should maybe mention that the beautiful and lovely Mary, who has been our wonderful guest two times, is now a permanent member of the confusing team. So we have Mary, Mary Kay, Megan, we all look alike. Oh my lord. It's happening. Don't confuse us. Yes, we decided (laughs) that we would pick another person who looked kind of like us, sounded kind of like us, and then also uh, had a very similar name to us. You went mega robot. Oh, that's just because the aliens who monitor our conversations have just been like, let's give up on humans. That's what my friend Sarah told me one time, and it's so funny that I stole her joke. That's how it went down. We're going to be talking about American Psycho. Oh, yeah. Maybe we should introduce that. And the part that I remember best from the first time I saw it, which is about 10 years ago, is that he always got out of conversations by saying he had to go return some videotapes. And I've been saying that ever since, and I forgot where I got it from, um, in order to get out of conversations. So our icebreaker is going to be, what's the line that you use? to get out of conversations like um, on that episode of new girl where she's like ma called the bees are back or like when she's like i have to go to hockey practice i'm center forward they really need me or you know they found my son like what do you use to get out of conversations that you don't want to be in i feel like i don't have anything super creative that i use to get out of conversations what do you do just walk away I mean, half the times, yeah, I'll just give an awkward stare and just walk away, or... It just looks like you got the shine. (laughs) (laughs) I Number one, I I do have the shine, clearly. Number two, I might just say that I have something work-related. What's great is that no one's going to be able to hear me creepily Danny-ing your name. Or Tony-ing your name. Megan. Megan. Megan, get me the fuck out of this conversation. I just pretend. <laughs> so yeah, so number one, I pretend I'm Danny Torrance. Or I just say that I have something work-related because I feel like my work is just non-traditional enough that I might have like parents or clients calling me all hours of the day with questions. So even if it's 3 o'clock in the morning, I can just be like, sorry, it's work. I've got to take this. If I have to be polite, I do the um, I just realized what time it is and don't even have to tell people. What's going on, right? Because if you're talking to me and I'm like, oh, 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 what time is it? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Thank you. Hey, oh, my God. I, I, I will see you soon. I swear. I, I'll be right. I, I got it. And if you're just flustered enough, no one's going to interrupt you to find out where you got to be because you're clearly in a huge rush. Oh, that's smart. Uh-huh. Now I have this beautiful golden excuse. And now I understand why parents say this shit all the time. Because I'm like, oh, my dog. Oh, I do use my dog a lot. You don't even... be real honest. You don't even have to go anywhere with it. You can just be like, at the dog, though. Yeah, the dog, the dog, the dog's at home. Right. Like, am I, is he shitting? Is he sick? Does he need to be fed? Who knows? N- no, they don't, because it's not real. I don't even know. It's not real. 
what I do to get out of conversations, again, it depends on the context. Uh, most often, especially at bars, because that's when I get trapped. That's when I actually go try to talk to new people is when I've had a couple of drinks. Like that's when I'm willing to risk getting in a conversation that I don't want to perpetuate only. And every time else I'm like, no, no smile, just hard face. But what I'll do is be like, oh, I think I have to go rescue my friend from that guy. And then they'll be like, oh, yeah, of course. Unless they're gross. And then I'll be like, you're gross. Bye. And then it's no, you know, you don't worry about hurting their feelings after that. Getting out of conversations with women is harder, though. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that without because I, I actually say, care I don't what they feel think. Like I've ever seen you do that. I have seen you do another thing with men that is amazing, which is just take the conversation to such a fucked up place that they leave. Yes, that's what I. That's how I get tables when there's no tables available. I just go up to them and start talking about Ed Gain, and then they're like, "We gotta, we got hockey practice." Ma called. The bees are back. Like- <laughs> exactly. Where you just like the conversation is proceeding normally, and this guy really thinks he's getting somewhere, and he's very obviously not. And you're just like, right? But have you ever wondered why we don't eat our young? <laughs> like when I think about how stressed moms are. I mean, you don't sound like this. You sound like yourself. That's but true. You the same sentiment, right? Where it's like everything else eats their young. Like why don't we eat our young? Like, they are squishy. And this dude is like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, oh, sorry, Ted. And just, like, leaves. Leaves <laughs> for his friend, <laughs> it's Ted. It's always Ted, too. Which is odd, because it's Atlanta. So, you know, ain't no one got a friend named Ted. <laughs> no one has a friend named Ted in Atlanta. No, no one has a friend named Ted in Atlanta. Oh, my gosh. I feel like everybody who has, like, a navy blue but, like, collared shirt has, like, three friends named Ted. Or they're, like, Ted, Ed, and Ed, Ed Edward. Edward. Edmund. Something like that. Ed, Edgleth. Yeah. Edmund Kemper. That was my mom's idea. So you <laughs> could call me Ed. <laughs> so we should talk about um, <laughs> this uh, this movie. Edward Stark. Edward if your Stark. Will- Eddard, we didn't do Eddard. Okay, sorry, back to American Psycho. I I mean, starting on it. But anyway, so about monotony and how it leads to desensitization. Oh my God, I can't even talk. Desensitization. Let's just break it down real slow. So obviously, are we just assuming, are we assuming everyone's seen American Psycho? Because they should. Yeah. Have already seen American Psycho. Okay, yeah, it's been I don't out want... for 20 years. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that I didn't need to give them a summary. I think it's something that everyone went to, everyone went to college and immediately watched. Like, if you hadn't seen Fight Club or The Big Lebowski, American Psycho, like, suddenly you had seen all of them by the time you were done with your first semester of college. Okay, you're right. So I don't need to give this crazy background. So we all know that this man has a really rigorous, monotonous, highly organized morning routine and lifestyle. You know, he gets up, he knows exactly what very specific beauty products he uses in what very specific order. Everything is like, bam, bam, bam. And uh, the only thing that kind of disrupts the monotony of his life kind of is the violence. But I guess kind of before we get into that specifically, you know, on the topic of his highly organized life, I know Mary Kay had something specifically about like the beauty routine. Do we want to chat about that before we talk about acts and people in the face? 
Do I want to talk about Christian Bale's beauty? Absolutely, I do. Anytime. He was my celebrity crush number two in my entire life. Oh, wow. Okay. My very first one before, first one before I even knew what crushes were was Robert Downey Jr. in Heart and Souls. Then it was Christian Bale in Newsies. Oh, Newsies, duh. Christian Bale. Yeah. Yeah, when you're nine, it's that's like, what? A, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like an edgy teen. That's what's up. Doing yeah. musical numbers. Um, <laughs> I wish you guys could have seen Mary's face just now. It was very much like... Like there was a burger. If you're saying if you're saying I thought Christian delicious. if you're saying that my nine year old self thought that Christian Bale dancing in the streets was a snack, then yeah. Yeah, I did. He is a snack. Also I counted how many times we get to see his ass for. It's not enough. The answer it's is four enough. in this movie. Never enough. Andrew pointed it out every time. He said, There you go, that's for you and I said, Thank yeah. you. It's perfect. Oh, also, beyond. like he looks like one of those sculptures, beyond. and like the routine that he uses to get there is like it is obsessive compulsion. It looks like that to me. And it's not even the opening credits. He has like a conversation with his friends and stuff beforehand, where he's saying all this really humanizing shit, but but in a, such a way that it's like I hate you. Like I don't even know why. It's just like your delivery is so insincere that I think that you are probably a shit person, and you're saying everything that you're just repeating off of a news program. Exactly, and that's the thing that stuck out yeah. to me was that he has these moments um, where the thing he is doing or the thing he is saying is the right thing. It's just that he can't gauge how badly most other people do the right thing. That the rest of us may have these moments of sincerity or these moments of humanity or compassion, but they're never, it's like nothing's ever really pure. We may be compassionate in a moment of larger selfishness. We may be slightly selfish in a moment of compassion. So like he's not, because he can't blend brushstrokes that way. He just reads as, because it's not even that he is terribly insincere, it's that you shouldn't be this sincere. Yeah. Right? Like, this doesn't make sense for all, like, for this much to be this intense all of the time, which I love, 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 love that Christian Bale wanted this part. He hung in there for years because uh, Mary Heron, the director, wanted him, specifically just him. They tried to make it Leo. They tried to make it Ewan McGregor, but several other people got offered this. And he kept knowing they're not going to do it. They're just not going to fucking do it. I'm hanging in there. And he struggled. Even once he had it, he was already working out like hours a day and being really rigorous with himself. Which is obvious, just saying. Right? Yeah, he hadn't like locked into the guy yet until he saw Tom Cruise in an interview. It's always Tom Cruise. <laughs> he is Tom fucking Cruise. And spe- specifically, though, the, the phrase that he used when asked about it and was describing this moment was that he watched him in this interview and was like, there he is, that's it. He said it was an intense friendliness with nothing behind the eyes. That's exactly Which right. It's yep. exactly how Tom Cruise looks and sounds. And he was right there. That was such a perfect for someone to be so clean cut and so inoffensive and so charming and also so devoid of anything that lets you actually connect with this person. There's, there's no ambiguity. There's no mess. Yeah. And I think that he even stands out from his friend group too. Like his friends are sucky, but they're like in a predictable way. 
And they'll be the one, like, making Jewish jokes, and he'll be like, no, just cool it on the anti-Semitic remarks. Thank, and it's like... Thank it? you, Alan. Yeah, it was really unsettling. Um, That's, like, in the opening... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I need to go return some videotapes. <laughs> Can I get out of this conversation? Wait, oh, sorry, Pat. Oh, oh, oh uh, Pat, 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 what time is it? Oh, thank you. Oh, my God. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm so glad you told me. My sister's dog has hockey practice. <laughs> <laughs> I have a woman thing. Also, every woman has done that. Oh, that's a good one. one. Yeah. And, it's a woman thing you wouldn't understand. Instant excuse. They do. Yeah. Or um, another every woman thing was the moment. It's almost immediately after the uh, cool it on the anti-Semitic remarks is when he goes to the bar to order and she tells him it's cash bar. And when she turns around, he knows she can't hear him. He's like, you're a fucking ugly bitch. And I'm going to kick, which I was like, that's, that's exactly what I'm afraid is happening in the head of every strange man I've tried to interact with. Like, like, and and then, you know, every X number of times, the guy actually interacts with you that way, right? Like he cat calls you. And when you don't respond, that's what you get. Or he's trying to talk to you at the bar. And when he buys you a drink and you say thank you and you chat for five or 10 minutes, and then you try to leave. He actually says that. Um, and you never know which one of those guys would actually kill you if you weren't standing in the middle of a crowded bar. I like that he told us at least seven times in this film, though, that he was a serial killer. Basically, like, shame on us for not listening to him, he told us. You're drinking wine with a straw? No, this is water. Oh. <laughs> out, of her, out of her collectible Aladdin. I have that same glass. That's right. I have yeah. that same cup. I had two of them, one in my mama's house, one in my daddy's house. <laughs> but my daddy let me drink out of it. My mama was like, this is a collectible. You can get them for $6 on eBay. The same you paid for them five, 10, 15 years ago. I am going to get a full set on eBay because I love them. And my Beauty and the Beast one, we did not treat them like collectors. So I drank out of the Beauty and the Beast one all the time and it is dead. The Beast looks like, no, the Beast just kind of looks like he did Boo. at the end when he was all white. Boo. Stay beastly. Well, you know, I'm, I guess I'm fine. Well, I never way. do. Anyway, so they also, speaking of beasts, they talk about these girls in that opening scene. They talk about, I think it, maybe it wasn't the opening scene. It's when he's with uh, his cute friends who are, like, not as cute, but they're somehow better than him. I don't know. They're, like, not less gross. They're just less murdery. The first thing I wrote is, these credits are just a list of creepy dudes. (laughs) It was, like, Christian Bale. Mm. Jared Leto. Justin Thoreau. Uh, Willem Dafoe. Uh, Everything you're saying is true. Um, do I do I love a bunch of them? Yes. Do I want to be alone in an elevator with any of them? Absolutely not. Probably no. No. No, it's not even probably. It's a definite no. Oh, the, it's the conversation. The one I wanted to talk about was when his friend was saying there are no good girls with good personalities. And I just remember that being like, I would much rather have a personality than be cute. Like, I would much rather do that. Like, why do you think I read way more than I exercise? I'd <laughs> rather be interesting than cute. <laughs> and also, exercising sucks. It just does. I mean, most of it does. I do it. I, I thought about you know, how this is such an involved skincare routine. And then I was like, I'm just a 31-year-old woman who wants to look 
either like this or more fetal for the rest <laughs> yeah. of my life. And if I think about my regimen every day, like I cleanse, I use a toner, I use a serum, then I use a different serum for my eye area, then I um, use a sunblock, then I use a tinted moisturizer. And this is like on the day you're not wearing makeup, right? Yeah, and it's then, your all-natural right, no makeup night look. is um, double cleanse, because you got to get that makeup off, and then you got to actually get your face clean. And then a uh, chemical exfoliant, then a serum, then the eye serum, then my nighttime moisturizer, um, which may be an oil. Like, you know, like, if you... I don't know if you guys can see over my shoulder that, like, revolving tower of stuff, like... We use the same toner, girl. Oh, yeah, we do. It's a good one. It's yeah. a good one. So, like... <laughs> I have this like tower of things. It's because we're serial and I'm killers. Friend, you go to exactly if you wanted to like revamp your regimen. I'm the friend you're gonna call to be like, what product should I use? I've been that um, friend to call. I don't know you what number to ask you. So. Yes, you you did not sound the like the voice I just made, the creepy voice I just did. Um, but that's just like being a human woman who's like trying to at least look healthy, if not feel healthy. Um. And this 27-year-old guy doing it is just, it's just such a shocking thing for him to have the same amount of steps in his morning that my, my regimen does. And it's upsetting. It's, it's like something you don't want to watch happening. If I cleanse, double cleanse in the morning and then do like a body wash and a scrub, that's just like, Duh, that's your right, job what else are you spending woman. your money on? What else would you have a shower? Exactly. <laughs> but on him, that's how you know. Yeah. So we were talking about like the routines. You said like the routine was like the break or the murder was like the break from his routine, but that's also pretty, I don't want to say like premeditated because that's boring and clinical, but like it's also part of his routine. It's ritualistic. Everything he does is ritual. Yeah, it's ritualistic, but it's the only time that he really gets, I don't know, like free, passionate and dirty. It's the only time that we ever see him kind of disheveled is when he breaks that very specific routine to kill somebody. Yeah. No. No. Even his sex routine is very robotic and very yeah, monotonous. Even sex, he's not disheveled. <laughs> even in his... <laughs> yeah. Gross. He's just, like, making muscles in his many mirrors that are around his... My friend was like, okay, but every guy does that no, if there's a don't. mirror nearby no, they and they don't. check their form. I was like, checking your form is not the same as doing a straight up pose down. Like, that's not. Y'all speak for yourselves. <laughs> I was. I was. I mean, look, I'm not trying to yuck your yum, well, Mary. Um, I, I'm just going to leave the people guessing what exactly my yum is. Just kidding. It's nothing. It's nothing right now. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I think we all know that. Yes, I think, I think it's we made that really clear in the first clear. episode. <laughs> We've not been established that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. That's true. That's true. So I have a question. What is the deal with his reciting of musical facts right before he kills people? Why? Why? I might have an answer. But it's doubtful. I think he's just trying to sound smart and create a very specific ambiance and sound intelligent and feel admired for something other than numbers. Because that's kind of all he is. And I think 
when he went, one of his first thoughts when he went into Owen's apartment, he's like, it's better than mine. Right. You know, everything is, you know, wealth and numbers and Wall Street is very, you know, the same kind of thing. And he's obviously never thought of in an artsy or an intelligent way in that regard. So I really think he's just trying to feel deep. Especially considering that... Be impressed. Yeah, like all the stuff he likes is like the shit version that no one likes of the Yeah. Um, Correct. And uh, I thought a lot about... I'd already been in this... When the, when the Mater D laughs at him on the phone, I was like, if you've never killed someone before tonight, you're going to do it now. And the business card didn't help. But the business card... Oh my gosh, that business card's The mean. business card is why you're trying to get the reservation. Being like openly left at by someone you consider to be your inferior is what's pushing you over the edge. And I feel like that's something that we like, this is something that's been discussed so much right now as a political reality that the fear of being laughed at by the people you think should not just admire you, but downright fear you. Yeah. And you know, my mom, so my mom came to the States when she was 18. She lived in New York until she was 30, 30, 31. Um, and so she was like coming of age in New York as he was becoming a big deal. And she was like, everyone knew like the word bougie didn't exist then, but that's what that was. Like the family had money, but it was new money. And he was just so ostentatious, you know, the, the gold and the guilt and the, you know, the, the, even then, even even in the eighties, it looked tacky. His 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 idea of of it was hard to look tacky in the eighties. Tacky was like the main thing you wanted to go for: big ass hair, blue eyeshadow, Janet Jackson fringe, whole belly out. No, it was gorgeous. Like I wish the big hair would come back in. Mine kind of does that anyway. So right. So so it would be great. There was this mentality then that like even. In the decade of excess, he looked like he was really like trying to flash it up in a, in a way that was laughable. And I, I, I just couldn't, I kind of couldn't get over that for the rest of the time that I had this, that, that moment of seeing him in the car and being like, oh, he wants that to be Donald Trump's car. He is hoping that he is gliding down the street alongside Donald Trump as a peer. This is the kind of person who admires what Trump was then. Like, that's exactly what he's trying to be. Mm-hmm. Well, he was like your yuppie ideal, right? Yeah, if you're if your yuppie ideal were also unsuccessful and went bankrupt a bunch of times. Well, that, wasn't that the yuppie ideal back then? Kind of. Yeah, kind of. I mean, that was and that was kind of the joke in, for New York, was that, like, everyone else, like, yeah, he's a big deal. Right, right, right. He's, like, he's coasting on family money. And apparently Bateman has family money. Yeah. He doesn't do anything at work. Nothing. Yeah, but he doesn't. He makes dinner reservations. He doesn't, he doesn't even need to have the job. No. Yeah, there's no expectation that he would even need to be there. He chooses to be there because he wants to fit in. Yeah, that whole scene in the limo where what's his girlfriend's name? Evelyn or Cecilia? I don't know. Again, I'm confused. Evelyn, Evelyn. Evelyn. Okay. Um, she's like, we should really set a date, and he's like, no, I can't take the na- the time off of work. And she's like, you, your dad basically owns that company and you hate that job anyway. And he's like, she's like, why do you even do it? And he's like, because I want to fit in. And then he puts his headphones back on. Which is, yeah, 
a beautiful moment, right? Because like, if you want to fit in, then you are friendly to your fiance and you set a date and you have a big wedding. That's what people expect, actually expect you to do. You just can't, you, you can't put it all together enough. So instead, as you are saying you want to fit in, you put on your headphones and retreat into your Huey Lewis and stare out the window like you're a millennial in 2016. Oh my gosh. Can we also talk about why do people wear headphones all the fucking time? I don't understand. It's so rude. I wear mine a lot. If I'm talking to people, I don't wear mine. But if I'm just like out and about by myself, I might have some in. Well, and that's that's that little bit of courtesy, right? That comes from actually like caring about the other person instead of instead of looking like someone who cares about the thing that he doesn't have. So, and then, so we see that in like the, the unreliable descriptions of the people around him, right? That like the, the people are constantly being mistaken for each other. I know that this was something that, uh, that Megan had brought up too, that like, this was that consistently there's, there's disagreement about who somebody is, including him, but from other, someone else's perspective, someone who's better, someone who's more successful, gets to think of him as interchangeable. He doesn't like that at all. Same with the business card thing, which is interesting because the business cards are really boring, but they keep trying to one-up each other with like, is it bone or is it white? Is it eggshell or is it cream? They all look the same. They're all boring as fuck. And the names even look the same. And the company, like, you don't even need a card. Everybody already knows. Yeah. Like, well, it's Wall Street. You that, get places because yeah. people know each other. I guess. You don't need a business card. I guess so. Which, okay, so while we're talking about, like, the characters and how indistinguishable they are from one another, like, who is Patrick Bateman supposed to be? Like, why do I, why am I supposed to care about him? No, no, this is, this is funny. This is supposed to be funny i think it is but i think that i mean i do not think obviously that like murdering people is funny it's not yeah just you know just to be clear fbi nsa whoever the fuck is actually bothering with our podcast i don't think that it's funny it's probably homeland yeah well, actually they're, they're actually um, right? right down the street from my office right now so probably <laughs> um, I'm not kidding. Actually, They're supposed I, to be where you're at, though. Well, they were, they were originally there for South by, and then I think it just beefed up horribly. Like we have a ton of FBI and then the Homeland Security. For, for the record, guys, I'm in Austin, so right now, yes, there's a lot of law enforcement happening. We had a little like mini pause before we went because the police were like roaming my complex. So uh, yeah, like I, I it, not the, the murdering the the world around it. The idea that that is. That is what you feel like that is what you have to do to feel accomplished or singular that this is what this aggressive capitalism does right that, that it, it really results instead of the, all that competition just makes everyone compete to be the exact same thing and the exact same person who owns all the exact same things um, and once you have all the same things and do all the same things and look exactly the same, what else is there who are you anymore? I mean, it's a caricature, a caricature of real life for the most part. I think that's why it's humorous. But I mean, it really leans in to a lot of those classic Marxist beliefs on capitalism and identity for sure. You know, because he's constantly mistaken for somebody else. Constantly, no matter where he goes, that is the norm for him to be called by a different name to the point that people are adamant that like, 
he is this other person. And it's the idea that, you know, his identity at that point doesn't lie within his name, really. It's just his accomplishments. He's just like this shell of stuff for the most part. And, uh, you know, isolation is inherent in a capitalistic society. And that's what, you know, Marx, like his whole belief was in that, yeah, I had like a quote that I had like wrote down from it that kind of like defined that exact sentence. Okay. Workers uh, inevitably lose the ability to determine life or destiny when deprived of the right to think for themselves as the director of their own actions. So, I mean, I think that's literally, that's just his life. That's what it is. Yeah. And he even says too, that um, he says he has flesh, blood, skin in here. You might feel skin or flesh gripping yours, but I don't have a single identifiable human emotion except for greed and disgust. Something is ha- horrible is happening inside of me, and I don't know why. And that kind of makes me like, that's upsetting because he's just like, that's just what's happening. He doesn't really have any emotions about it. He's not like, why am I fascinated with murder? That's weird. I can't ignore that anymore. Like, yeah. I don't know. Okay. No, yeah, he's, he's, his efforts to, yeah, his efforts to, to fit in. Either he was always this soulless killer who realized early on that he needed to at least pretend to be something else or he wouldn't be able to function. Or the lifetime of trying to be whatever he thinks this person, Patrick Bateman, is, um, has, yeah, the, 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 his, whoever he actually could have been has just seeped away and now he is empty. Now he is the soul. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about that too, because he, when he articulates his disgust, he's still really friendly about it. And that's really, that's why it's gross. I think like if I told you one of you guys or whatever, like this is like, I'm going to be fired up about it. Like I'm going to be delivering it. Like I'm disgusted. But like when he, when what's his sick secretary, she comes in and he's like, don't wear that outfit again. And she's like, what? And I like, I like heels. Yeah. She doesn't register it as an insult. But she, she doesn't realize what he said. She like thinks she misheard him. She's like, what did you say? And he goes, don't, don't wear that outfit again. And, and she's like, oh, you don't like it? And he's like, well, you're prettier than that. And it's like, um, <laughs> first of all, <laughs> goodbye forever. And then also, um, why are you saying it that way? Like, she didn't even register what you were saying because you said it, you delivered it so weirdly. I interpreted that as her, well, I, I did catch that she didn't realize what he was saying because he said it in such a, like, almost nonchalant, certainly pleasant way. Um, but when she said, you don't like it, I was like, Yes, he is very handsome, and you want him to to say that what he likes about your appearance that he's not getting to see. Which, you know, sure, it's Christian Bale. Like, yeah. I mean, I like to think that I'd be able to string a sentence together in front of Christian Bale, but no. <laughs> I just know that I couldn't. And if he was like, I don't like your outfit, I would be like, do you want me to just take it off then? Like, do you want me to just like, do you want to put it in the shredder? Because that's fine. I'll just wear your clothes out of here. <laughs> then you don't have to wear anything at all. Okay. There's another part too when uh, when he's, um, the people he kills are really specific. 
I think. Um, I what I noticed is that they're all people who die on a regular basis that don't get uh, media coverage or like their murders, but they're not treated that way. Like um, he, his main. The one, the one that I identify with the most, and this is, I guess, kind of typical, but uh, um, the one he calls Christy, she's like the one who's the least impressed by him. When he's like, do you know where I work? Do you want to know where I work? And she's like, no. And she's the only one who's like has any kind of honesty with him also, uh, which is ironic because that's not what a sex worker is supposed to do. They're the ones that are supposed to just kind of be like, yep, whatever you say in a completely unrelated to that though I think just because you mentioned it and I just and it can be totally edited out but the part where they're getting set up with the other girl in the beginning he's like it's an asshole Christy don't look at it lick it or something like that I died I mean it's not funny but like (laughs) it's funny (laughs) it is supposed to be funny right like it's supposed to be a funny movie I think. I mean, it's not supposed to be funny the entire time. Oh, yeah, you're right. He's the worst. Speaking of assholes. Oh, I was talking about classism. That did bring me back because he asked the fancy call girl to do that. Not not the one that he just picked up off the street. The fancy one. Um, but I don't, I don't know if she even gets a name. He's like, you're not really blonde, are you? It's more like a dirty blonde. It's definitely blonde, first of all. And then second of all, like, what, why are you being like the Like, shut up. And then so he murders the, it seems like mostly women. I know that he does kill the homeless man as well after talking about how disgusting he is. And that, I couldn't even watch that scene. Um... I know it's a horror movie, but I was just like, I can't watch you be like this. Um, And I know it's supposed to be funny or whatever, but I don't... It's not funny. Yeah, no. It's to be comedic in spots, because like I said, it is supposed to be like a caricature, kind of. It's not like straight-up slapstick humor. But that part is definitely not funny. It's disturbing. But is this kind of... Isn't this, like, making it funny... Making it okay to laugh at it, though, kind of like the way that it's okay to be a terrible person when you're playing cards against humanity and say all the terrible things that your brain is thinking because it's supposed to be funny, but it's still terrible. It's terrible first, I think. But So what they had done was they wanted to make this and um, talked about a number of people to do it uh, when they first mentioned Mary Heron coming on to direct and she co-wrote it um, with another woman ah, whose name I don't, I, I don't think that I have in my notes. Um, they specifically picked her because the film, they expected the story to be so disturbing specifically with regard to violence towards women that they thought if a woman was directing, people would just shut the fuck up. It is kind of though. I mean, it's not how it's supposed to work, but it is kind of how it works. No, it's not. And also, Oh, it was, it was still, it was still hugely protested, hugely protested. So Gloria Steinem is Christian Bale's stepmom. What the fuck? Yeah. Are you for real? Yeah. She had protested it becoming a movie in the first place long before he was officially attached, long before it was actually made. She had been a very vocal critic of the novel existing, let alone being made into a movie. And Mary Heron really did not shy away from 
part of the issue was that, so like at one point, Oliver Stone wanted to do it starring Leo DiCaprio. And let's all just like say a really big thank you to whatever deity we do or don't acknowledge because Oliver Stone wanted to take out all the funny stuff and all of the stuff. I think it was all the stuff in the, like the restaurants and clubs, which as disturbing as the actual version is, I feel like if you took out all the scenes where he socializes with the people that he is trying to be like, if you took out any of these elements where you just have to laugh at him because it's absurd that anyone would go to these lengths. I don't, that movie is no, no, just absolutely not. And Mary Heron has said on the record that Oliver Stone was the absolute worst person to have made this movie. And she's glad that he didn't. (laughs) Um, So it, it, it could have looked very different from this. And she was really adamant to, to maintain that, that ludicrousness, the, the absurdity that it was just kind of so pulled out that at points the most realistic thing about it is the actual murder and the rest of it is the rest of it seems painted broad by comparison i guess so i mean i feel like the murder parts were the most absurd to me like because no one is hearing him running naked in his high tops down <laughs> the hallway with a chainsaw with no a one's hearing chainsaw. that no one's calling any police and Christy is banging on all the yeah, doors. Yeah, and screaming at the top of and her lungs. Na- nary a soul. And he never gets caught. Mm-hmm. And then he, like, I don't, I don't know. That seemed like the most absurd to me. And then, yeah, the ATM. And I think that's where it comes back to the, that comes back to the unreliable narrator situation. Because if it didn't happen, then of course he didn't get caught. Or if it happened, but just not that way, or not that much. Maybe he did bring these girls home and bang the shit out of them, but then... But we also don't know because he is the narrator of the story. And as we've seen in the movie a couple of times, he's also like snorting coke. So how much of what he is saying is true or based on fact. Also, he has a pretty unrealistic way that he wants people to view him. So how much is he buffering around? So he is being viewed in a very specific light. Yeah. I mean, I get all of that. And I understand like that unreliable narrator conceit. I just am tired of it, I guess. Tough shit. I know, but I feel like all of those, like you said, the movies that you have to watch, like Fight Club and um, Big Lebowski and this one in your freshman year of college, kind of, you need those to kind of challenge your perceptions, I guess. But now I'm just kind of like, but can we just like, do we have to do that same thing again? But I guess this was like 2000, so it's, you know, they're not doing it now. No, I was going to say, I totally agree. I think that there are certain movies that if you haven't seen them by a certain point, it's hard to ever appreciate them. Like you may, you may see them later. You may appreciate certain things about them, but it, it's going to be hard for them to be like, Wah! the way they would have been if you saw them young enough for them to be doing something totally new for you. Yeah. And then I also, I think it's the, I, I mean, the conversations that he had with his friends are the ones that I like the most because they're all like, shut the fuck up. Like you're being weird as hell. Like, why are you even talking? No one cares what you have to say. The, there's a conversation when he's like, do you know what Ed Gain said about like a beautiful woman? And his friends are like, Ed Gain, who's that? Does he work for this company or whatever? And he's like, no, he was a serial killer. He said, I wanted to know like what she, what it would be like to get to know her. And I also picture her head on a stick. And his friends are like, too much. No, we don't. That's not what we do. We just objectify women in a normal way. 
Not in a way that like totally Not a weird way that completely defiles them. (laughs) Just a little bit. Just in my head. Not actually. Just a tad. Right. Well, and there's there's the funny, right? Is the like, I don't want either of those things to happen to me, but to do the one and then act disgusted about the other. To eat. That's something they're not acting disgusted. They feel revulsion at this, but they don't feel any revulsion at the stuff they actually say and do, which is upsetting. They are disgusted when Patrick's like, just cool it with the anti-Semitic jokes. They can recognize the inhumanity in him saying that and laugh it off. They can't hear it coming out of their own mouths, right? And so there's the dissonance that That's so true. I didn't think about it like that. That's so true. Um, I also, so there's like a, there's a couple of horror movie homages in this too. Like, well, obviously Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like not only is it on the TV, like when it, when, uh, it's either that or pornography that's on TV and both of they like the theory associates them really closely because they're again, objectifying women and seeing them out of control kind of, um, in both, in both in both like slasher movies and pornography, like it's the same emotions, it's the same sounds kind of. Um, and it's the same sort of elevated adrenaline, I guess, maybe not adrenaline, but like some sort of, you know what I'm trying to say? Um, anyway, so I saw those with his, with his actual chainsaw. And then they also, I think it's vertigo when she's running down the stairs, like Hitchcock's vertigo. And, but it does the opposite for Patrick because he's like, you know how when you like throw a football and you like lead off the lead off the person you're throwing it to? He does that when he drops the chainsaw into her side somehow. Like how'd you do that? That's crazy. Um I mean it's just illogical. Like everything is crazy, but um so I liked those. I was like, "Oh, you're playing on this idea of like not being stable and realizing it and he's not stable and he doesn't realize it." So I also love the idea. So he, when we see first see him watching porn, he's actually not watching. No, he's just not. He's just on in the background. Why is setting up a date? Which I love as if it, it reminds me of doing things like, like the same way I might pick certain music to get me amped for a thing. He's like, I will go out in public and be on a date. This will put me in the mood. Yep. What the fuck mood are you trying <laughs> to create? You fuck. Just to put it in perspective, what is y'all's get pump music like right before you go out for on a date or to a fancy restaurant or whatever? What is date? <laughs> I mean, do whatever. Like, what's he about to go do? Eat at a fancy restaurant? Oh, okay. I was like, girl, girl, when, when do you think the last time I did this was? Um, so, fancy restaurant. Well, this is Austin, so you can wear flip flops everywhere. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's so fucking frustrating. And nothing, like the sidewalk is the most precarious route. Like, do you remember I walked down those steps and ate it? I didn't spill the drinks, but I fell for sure. I was just like, ah, I got him. Do you remember this? That was like this past summer. And, and it was because I walked up one side of the staircase and came down the other side. And they had different numbers of steps. Oh my God. Because the floor was uneven. Yeah, where was that? Uh, it was at that mugshot place, I think, in Austin. Oh, yes. 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 That is easy to do there. Yes. 
Um, I do love it, but that's easy to do there. Um, and I was like, I'm not even drunk. And now I have to get drunk. So my ankle numbs out. Right. And I cracked the shit in half. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> crazy. If I'm, if I'm trying to go out. Anyway. I generally, whatever music service I'm using, Google Play, Spotify, whatever. I'm like, let's start with some Missy. And then wherever you take me from there, that station. That's a good call. What about you, Megan? I have a very, I, I have a Get Pumped playlist on Spotify. I can. I, I mean, it's all over the place, such as all of my music choices. It, it's like a lot of 80s hair metal and then also some Beyonce. Are you share so. with, our, with our listeners? It's, it's, well, welcome to me. I have a lot of, I also have one for my hypothetical action film in case they make an action film based on my life. I have one. But if I had to pick one song for Get Pumped, it would definitely be Bad Girl. Yes. Me too. I caught the bouquet at your wedding because you played that song because I was so fucking hype. That was my bouquet toss song. Everything was like, everyone else does single ladies and that's dumb. I was like, Mm-mm, we're going to toss this bouquet to MIA. And Mary Kay was throwing bows to get that shit. I was. And I had my three point stance. I was like, ready. <laughs> <laughs> I love that song. No joke. I didn't even care about the bouquet. I was just like, but no one's going to beat me. Like, that's my, I like the tough girl music, the tough girl soundtrack. Like, I like MIA, Rihanna. I don't really even like Rihanna, <gasps> like, as a person necessarily, but I like that music. I, my allegiance is with Beyonce. I told you last time I went to karaoke, I didn't bitch better have my money. That's one of the songs that's on my Get Hype playlist. I'm just saying, I'll, none of us is watching this violent pornography before we go out. You don't know what I do in my spare time. You just told us what you did in your hype, like your hype time. I mean, not in your spare time is different than your hype time. Yeah, you're listening to you're listening to Poison, and you're when you want to get hype, you're 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 singing "Talk Dirty" to me. <laughs> Where's the lie? Where's the lie? Um, also, also, bitch, better have my money. That video caught all the fucking flack because she literally has a white woman kidnapped. She'll be okay. And people were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If this happened to someone else, and people were like, that's kind of the point of the video. Is that if this had happened the other way around, it has for hundreds of years. So she's like doing the same. That's the point. You missed the point of the entire music video. Um, So, you know, apparently I am into some somewhat. Look, again, with the I'm not trying to kink shame anybody i'm just saying before we go out to a fancy dinner that's nobody's hype i don't think or it's very uncommon at least it's not to get hype you're actually watching it at least you know it's like in the background well if for some reason if that even were to be my thing i don't think i would just leave it on full blast in the background while i'm on the phone that's, with somebody. okay a great point like he yeah. did yeah at least like Pause it's it. It's the equivalent of leaving your headphones in when you're talking to someone. <laughs> That's why she's important. And in this weird way, like, she is actually important to him because since she is so checked out, because she's never really there, he doesn't have to do it. Like, he doesn't have to do the whole thing. He can get by on very minimal amounts of pretending to be a person with her. He can just kind of tell her where to go, tell her what to do, order her food for her. He's never going to get some sort of negative, unpleasant reaction. She doesn't even know that he's not taking her to the restaurant, he said. Like, she, he 
she's not there, so he doesn't have to be either. He doesn't have to pretend to be. And that's that's important to him. Like, he can have the porn on in the background because that's what it takes for him to, like, pretend he's going to be sexy. Um, she's not going to hear it. She's not going to know. Oh, I did have another question. Uh, why does the ATM tell him to feed him a cat? Feed it a cat. Girl, because, okay, so... For me, this is like a some Black Lives Matter shit where while kids were like marching in Ferguson, the country was screaming about Harambe. Yeah. That's what it takes for him to get caught is attacking. He can walk up to people and be like, I murdered the shit out of everyone. And everyone's like, oh, you. And then he's like, I'm going to kill this kitten. And someone's like, no, the fuzzy one. Like there's that weird like. We are, like, the, there's, there's that much, much disconnection. There's that little humanity. That it actually has to be a not human. Well, I mean, I fast-forwarded past the part where he stops the homeless man's dog because my heart can't take it, but I very willingly watched him take a bite out of the woman's leg and shove a chainsaw into her side. So, I guess... Womp, womp, womp. No, and I I completely get that. I, f- I felt the same way, that there is something that we are desensitized to and something that we're not. And we have, like, culturally, we have we have made choices that have brought us to this place. And, and, and yeah, like, immediately upon, I, I, haven't, I hadn't seen this in a long time, and immediately upon rewatching, that's what I thought of. I thought of Harambe. Like, right now, like, Austin... I mean, I spent my entire last week at like community meetings and at like rallies and remembrances because these men are have been blown to bits in their own homes by packages addressed to them. And APD not only took way too long to say out loud that it was happening and could potentially be a hate crime, but then they didn't, uh, they openly disseminated the information that they have been investigating the first bombing as, well, maybe it was drug retaliation. Maybe he was trying to make a bomb himself and it just blew up. You know, he had been arrested before. Maybe, you know, he had been arrested before and there was this, this, they, I, the chief of police apologized at this community meeting and we were all Maybe you should just stop making excuses. Don't do it. Like, don't do it in the first place. Don't do the thing to justify yourself for having treated this person as less than a human. Meanwhile, there is legislation in effect to not put dogs in overhead carriers because a dog died last week, which is horrifying. And I can't imagine how that family feels. Also, no one's putting dogs in the overhead compartments. That's the whole point. That dog should never have been there. That, that, that attendant really fucked up. That was not supposed to have happened. We don't actually need laws yeah, we don't actually need laws to prevent a thing that was already against the rules. So th- that immediately stood out to me as like, well, yeah, of course. Of course. A homeless man, prostitutes, or a kitten. Where does the buck stop? No. Where? What do we recognize as, okay. as inhumane? Um, cool. Exactly. So I guess my... The last question I have is what is the point of this movie? <laughs> Why do we have a fucking podcast, guys? <laughs> what are we even doing ever? Oh, man. Is it just supposed to be like a warning to all women who go into a man's apartment where he doesn't have any decorations 
to be like, get the fuck out, get the fuck out. <laughs> Is that what it's supposed to do? Girl, you see how much more decorating I did when I, when I was single. I was like, it's not going to look like this anymore. Uh, this Patrick Bateman apartment for me. <laughs> it wasn't real murdery when I was there. I know. I worked hard at that. But, you know, I'm, a, I'm allowed to put pictures on my wall now. So that's definitely happening. What the shit? What? Yeah. That's yeah. nuts. So I think I think a lot of it is just, again, that lesson in, like, what, how hard have you bought in? Um, yeah, but the, the question is, what's the point of the movie? The question is then, well, how hard have you bought in? How much of what you do is something you're supposed to do? How much of what you do is something that you feel you're being told to do? How much of what you do is something you couldn't even say who told you to do? Like, where did you get this narrative you're living? Is it yours? And if not, also, if it is your own narrative, don't kill people. (laughs) Don't kill people is definitely a strong theme, I think, that, like, just don't. I think it's also a warning to if somebody is trying to hurl a chainsaw at you when you're running down the stairs... Don't stand at the inner guardrail mm-hmm. where you're easily targeted. Go to the wall, girl. girl you Go to danger. the wall. Ride that wall all the way down. She could have been alive also, still. Also, real. That she probably is alive still because if he had been chasing her down the hall with the chainsaw, he would have been caught. Well, correct. He made that ending up. Yeah, I, I think so. So I read it differently. I didn't read it as like a deus ex machina, like, oh, none of it happened. I woke up type of deal. I just thought that like everyone was covering for him because it was classism. I think it's a, I think it's a little bit of both. I think that he is behaving unacceptably in a lot of fashions, but I I do think some of the most, the most extreme and the most flamboyant examples. You don't think that he ate his friend and then shoved a chainsaw into the side of a sex worker as she flailed through a hallway naked. I, I think like, if she wasn't naked, he was I naked. think those are some great murder of Roger Ackroyd moments. I feel like those are moments where either we are being led astray or he's leading himself astray because that's what he has to do for himself. So do you think he killed Paul Owen? That's the one that is so much fun to think about because the real estate agent make it, makes really makes it seem like if you knew to be here with a face mask on, you're this is scary and you're a problem. Then again... It's certainly possible that he was unsafe or inappropriate with Owen in some way, which is why the, the real estate agent knows to be looking for him and showing up in the mask is a, or not mask, but a sanitation, what is it? Surgical mask. It is a, there's a red flag. Um, so Owen is still alive, but there's a reason he's been hanging out in London because, you know, someone was creepy or murdery with him back in the States. Um, so I, I feel like, I, I don't feel like any of it is, false completely i also don't feel like most of it is true completely i I think that there's there's some sort of space there where he the same way he will go on a rant about oh oh, oh, god i actually wrote it down as he was going because i was like this is amazing sri lanka fuck it apartheid arms race civil rights women's rights traditional values less materialism like okay okay like He's that extra, y'all. Like, that's what he's saying to his friends about, like, what he thinks matters in the world. Yeah, if he's trying to show you the how fucked up he is, he might go all in on a chainsaw. 
which did not happen. Um, especially considering that we've seen that he has tortured people and let them go. Or at least he made it seem like he has tortured them and let them. Yeah, so possibly that's all he's ever been doing. But he's paid to torture people and then let them go, which almost guarantees their discretion because they're immaterial to him in his circle. I mean, what is there to say? What is there to say? Oh, another thing I thought about um, gender-wise was uh, the fact that you mentioned that even when he's repulsed, his demeanor seems pleasant. Um, so, like for example, it's when he's screaming at the dry cleaners, he never stops smiling. And I, I started to be like the like do the whole like damn that's so creepy to smile while you're oh, I know so many women who do this. Eh, you do. Um, you have it down to a science. You don't do it exclusively. That's like that's not the only. Version I smile of you while I'm yelling. You you can. I'm not, it's not the only version of you being upset. But you can smile. Smile and modulate when you are really angry. I didn't know that. That's scary. <laughs> it is terrifying. Um, most women have some variation on it. It just kind of say, depends I feel on like a lot of how masculine you read and um, your, your body language. Tone of voice. Like, yeah, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. But most women have some version of, I want to, like, pull your skull off your spine, (laughs) but I am smiling while I talk to you. And it's disturbing to watch a man do it because they don't. The same way it's disturbing to watch them exfoliate. Really, I kind of had the same thought where it was like, this is not, (laughs) this isn't a terribly weird thing. It's just if I were to, I I could name half a dozen people I know that do this. Mary Kay doesn't do it regularly. She has a, she has a version of it I've seen. I like being feared. I'm fine with it. Um, Well done. Like, I, I mean that, I mean that in a positive way, that it's a very, like, if you can, I was going to say, like, if you can be this controlled about something this upsetting, then I really shouldn't have fucked with you, right? Um, (laughs) So if I, but if I think of the people I know who do this habitually, whose default setting the angrier they get is to get smilier, they are all women, all women. In my head, it's from um, that music video for Black Hole Sun, when they they start smiling and then they're like, or like those commercials for that Truth or Dare movie. I have a video to send you guys when we get done. Um, so the kids at one of our sites make music videos uh, every year. They make music videos with Mr. George, who's this like wonderful guy. He's older. He's a visual artist, but he makes music videos with them, and he picks all these like cool ass songs that they wouldn't know about right but this past year they did black hole sun and it is infinitely more disturbing than the actual song because it's a bunch of small children so they're like oh my god black hole sun won't you come and wash away the pain and they did it it is the most fucking 90s thing I've ever seen. Complete with one of them swinging on a swing and then vanishing. Oh my god. And the swing keeps going. And they're just like scary shadows behind a sheet. It's amazing. There's a melting Barbie at some point. I'll post it on our Facebook <laughs> wall so everybody can look at it if they want. Um, yeah, anyway, That was not relevant to the podcast and I'm sure you'll just like 
snippet, but don't let me forget to actually send it, girl. Don't let me forget to send you guys. There. <laughs> There's a YouTube link for the. Oh, it's on. Video. That's it's on YouTube too. So amazing. Oh my gosh, that's ee, scary. Yeah. So whenever we go to karaoke all together, we're gonna do Black Hole Sun, smiling the whole time. Okay. And we're dressed like the Grady sisters from The Shining. <laughs> yeah, what do we want to do for our closer? Um, girl, you told us we were going to be doing what's your ATM demand. Oh, if we were an ATM, what we would request to eat? Is that what we're doing? For the closer? Okay, so for the closer, I want to know if you were the ATM, what would you make Patrick Bateman feed you? Like, what would you request? So should this be something that I, like, I want? Or should it be, in the sense of the movie, something horrific? Girl, why are yours mutually exclusive? Why you ain't want nothing horrific? What? Just, no, like, open up. Tell us your darkest desires. That's the point. You go. Go. Let's hear it. Darkest secret, Mary. And go. If I were an ATM, I would tell Patrick Bateman to feed me. Jason Bateman's testicles. Okay. <laughs> I I was going to like pipe in and say that, that that's what you were going to say. But I was like, no, she's not going to take it there. But like you did. And I'm glad you did. Wait, did you know specifically Jason Bateman? Because I honestly, I love him and I think it would give me his power. And then as an ATM, I would sprout Jason Bateman arms and Jason Bateman legs and a Jason Bateman delivery of a dry line. <laughs> I think it would work. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. No, I just had a sneaky suspicion that it was going to be testicles or a penis. Well, I mean, you do know me. I so. mean, 50% there. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Megan. Oh, it's my turn. I don't know, man. I can't top a dick. Damn. Well, I didn't take um, it. Ew. I should have said my student loans. Oh, that's a real <laughs> good answer, though. <laughs> I'm stealing it. Okay. I would want the it to feed me something of Christian Bale's. Like I would want him to feed me your brain or something like that. Just so I could have it. Like I just want to put it in a jar and like keep it as an artifact. Keep it as an artifact in my house. Keep it as a pet. Yeah. Or like his skeleton just to have it. Um, but then also maybe it would end like this terrible movie. This movie was also, not terrible. Uh, the cycle of violence that needs. No, it's not terrible, like, but do you want to put it in a shredder? Because terrible. that's that's what I meant. Megan, did you say the thing that you would make the ATM for? Oh, I stole student loans. That's beautiful. That's genius. I told Andrew that one day I was going to find somebody that was vastly rich. And I was going to ask them anything that they want from me, I will do if they will just pay off a portion of my student loans. And he joked. He was like, yeah, do it. Aww. Because they're gross. They're terrible. That's sweet. That's not an all moment. Well, that's good. <laughs> you say he joked. You say he joked, but I don't I don't know if he was joking, girl. Like, I said I joked, and it wasn't a joke. It's half joke, half not. But Mary Kay's like so romantic. <laughs> yeah. So you were listening to Everything Trying to Kill You. Um, up next, we're going to be talking about... Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. And our friend Trista Edwards is going to be on that episode. I'm so excited. That'll be really fun. And we're excited to have Mary on as a regular as well. (laughs) 
And after Rosemary's Baby, we're doing Alien. Hitting a lot of classics. I'm finally going to see it. I can't believe you've never seen it. I have a bunch of those. I will literally name my future child Ripley. To get everybody hype for Rosemary's Baby, I wanted to tell you uh, when I was asking Mary if she was interested in doing that movie, and she was walking, so I could hear like some ambient noise, and she was like breathing a little bit hard. You know how when you're walking, you like carrying stuff, you breathe a little hard. And she was like, yes, I would love to do that. I love that movie, but fuck Roman Polanski and his fucking ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I stand by everything, except for the breathing hard. I think I sounded like a delicate ass bitch. Delicate bitches can be breathless? Mm, Only for fun reasons, not for like walking to the bus. Especially when they're thinking of revenge is fun, girl. Listen. (laughs) There is a lot of killing. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye, y'all. Bye.